The NBA offseason keeps getting better and better. We're 50 days away from the NFL kickoff, so we give our top five quarterbacks with the most pressure heading into the 2019 season. All that and more on the reserves. episode of the reserves we have a lot to talk about today as always but first stop whatever you're doing unless you're driving of course and then go and follow us on twitter at reserves pod interact with us retweet us whatever that case may be and then after you do that definitely go like us subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to then give us that five-star review we'd greatly appreciate it and also if you want to join in on our podcast Make sure you visit anchor.fm slash the reserves slash message and send us a voice message so we could plug you into our podcast and include you into the conversation. So um, there's a lot on the table today. Today's a good day for a podcast. Absolutely. Good day. Over the past week, there's been, a, you know, kind of a grab bag of topics go down. There's been one big thing go down and that's, you know, the Russell Westbrook trade to Houston. The Brodies reunite. Yeah. So um, just... Right off the bat, I wanted to get your thoughts on on that and, you know, kind of how he fits in Houston um, and on the flip side of that, how Chris Paul fits in Oklahoma City. Yeah, with reports coming out today that Chris Paul is more than likely to stay in Oklahoma City right. and be a Thunder for at least at the start of the season. Maybe they'll move him when it gets closer in December and we're close to the trade deadline in next February. But yeah, I, I think... If you're the Rockets, Daryl Morey, you have to do something. They were so close to beating the Warriors two years in a row, and they had to make a move. And when Russ became available, they put together a package that had to entice the Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City front office. You know, with with future also getting rid of that Chris Paul contract, but also putting some future picks into the deal to make get this deal done. Yeah, so we talked about it last week. Um you know, I liked the idea of Russell Westbrook going to Houston and I, I kind of equated it with the Jimmy Butler um, going to Houston as well. It kind of, it, it was crazy enough to where it might just work because of, you know, two ball heavy players uh, such as Russell and, and James Harden. But, you know, the one thing that uh, that we talked about that they had to do in order to get it done was get rid of Chris Paul. And that was something that they accomplished in that trade. Now, the interesting thing is what is Oklahoma City planning on doing with Chris Paul? It seems they're in full rebuild mode. and But are they? You think they are? Well, yeah. I mean, with, with, all, the, with all the draft picks that they've stockpiled, I mean, they have a lot of young talent. They're not going to be you – know, obviously, they're not seen as one of the – you know, having a top duo in the league. You know, now we're in the era of the duos. You know, they – I feel like they're really just going to stockpile draft picks and try to get uh, the best talent coming what? up for the next few years and – yeah, they definitely stockpile their draft picks, but I'm just wondering, you know, Chris Paul stays. Do they try to make a run at the playoffs here? They have a not. decent roster. It's not a very strong roster in the West, but you know, with with Chris Paul leading the way, it looks like he's going to be part of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And with guys they have with with SAG or SGA, excuse me, and guys like that around him, I mean, I think they'll be okay. They have a decent bench with Schroeder and Ferguson, so we'll see. I just don't see them making the playoffs in the West. I don't. I don't either. Um, the West is going to be really strong this year. But I'm just wondering, you know, Gallinari, another guy on that team. So we'll see. I think they'll really try to move off Chris Paul, and you may even see Chris Paul may go to the Heat and pair up with Jimmy Butler if the Heat want to get off of Drogic's contract. He's an expiring, and Thunder would probably really value that contract. Right. But they may have to give us some of those picks to get that deal done. So like how. So now we're we're kind of in an era now where we see the big bodied point guards, you know, the Ben Simmons, you know, now LeBron's going to be playing point guard and you have um, these long athletic point guards and point forwards. How valuable is Chris Paul today in today's basketball, like in today's NBA? Well, I think we've seen that maybe not just today's NBA, but NBA in general over the years, uh, under six, three point guard like that relies on getting to the rim a lot, does not age very well. And I think we saw that last year with Chris Paul, him being injured a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. He's getting up there in years. He's on a horrible contract for, for his age. 
and his play style and his body style. Yeah, I think he's probably still a top forty player currently, but I don't know. I think we're going to really see him decline. We've seen guys like this for like Allen Iverson, for example. Yeah, you know, more explosive than Chris Paul, but he's a guy that really declined in his later years of playing. It was also part of an era where it was more inside dominant, and there wasn't as much spacing, and the game just wasn't. It was different back then. That's true. What will be interesting with OKC and, and CP is that he's a shooter at least, hmm. so he doesn't have to rely always on getting to the rim. And that that's the interesting thing too to bring up is that Chris Paul is a good shooter and Russell Westbrook is not a good three-point shooter. And so how that goes in Mike D'Antoni's system with James Harden, James Harden being a guy that relies on having the ball in his hands, and so is Westbrook. So, what, I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'd seen where uh, Coach D'Antoni came out and said that he really wasn't changing up his system that much for Russell Westbrook. I, you know, I, I love the idea of those two teaming together. You know, because they were back in they were together back at Oklahoma City, and I think they can be a top, you know, a top four duo in the league. Now, the sharing the ball is going to be a problem with those guys if they can't if. That's not something they can figure out early. Then we're going to see them potentially fall out of the playoffs. Yeah, they're the two of the highest usage players in NBA history. Right. So that that should just tell you right there that they've got to go. They've got to undergo some serious offensive scheme changes for this next season. And if they don't, then you know egos get in the way, and we end up having a Carmelo Anthony type situation where neither one will kind of get out of their own way and it'll ultimately lead to them losing a bunch of games and people not being happy. And then, you know, hype only lasts so long and you know, it, it just becomes a mess. What I'm excited about though, the potential you mentioned, the potential of this duo is Russell Westbrook has never been in a situation where he's been surrounded by as many shooters as he has in Houston. That's right. Yeah. And so put him in a pick and roll situation with Clint Capella and with shooters in the corners at the top of the perimeter, perimeter, I mean, he can drive and kick. He's great at getting to the rim because he's so good at collapsing the defense. Yeah. Even being at 30 years old, he's still explosive, has a lot of explosive left. Probably the most explosive point guard that we have in the league. De'Aaron Fox is probably sneaking up on him in that. But Yeah, we'll see with John Morant, too, coming to yeah, the league, too. Yeah, we'll see for that. But, you know, his ability to get to the rim, drive and dish, the hot pick and roll, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think I'm definitely not even a league pass team, a team you want to catch on TNT on all the big games. Yeah. Just I mean, just try to watch them whenever. Yeah. yeah. And you know, just for just out of competition's sake, that'd be a team that I'd want to see work. I, you know, I hate seeing, you know, teams with all this potential. I hate seeing them not fulfill it at least to a, to a certain degree. I want to see as much competition in the NBA as possible. And that's, that's fueled by teams such as the Rockets kind of making all the craziness work. And, you know, the more, you know, it just comes down to how selfless are they willing to be? Their their usage rate's going to go way down, obviously. And, you know, it's either going to be, it's either going to be a, a good thing for this. It's, it could be great or it could ultimately destroy that team. Right. I think for James Harden's usage to go down, it's going to be a good thing. For him. Yeah, just because he carried so much in last year's regular season to get them to the playoffs, to get them out of the hole they dug themselves early on in the season. And for, I think we saw the results of that when they were in the playoffs against Golden State. He was dragging on defense, yeah. which... You he know, doesn't he, play much of it He doesn't anyways. play much defense anyways. Maybe he's getting a little better. But I think it's really going to help him and be beneficial to him to have a guy... You know, that first year in Houston, Chris Paul was a guy that... You say, okay, go get us a bucket. We need a bucket. And last year, that was not really necessarily the case. So with Russell Westbrook there, it'll be a good fit if they can make it work with how they share the basketball. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned John Morant earlier. So that's a nice segue into the Grizzlies winning the summer league and potentially having you know, one of the more exciting young cores in the league right now. Yeah, they're going to be a fun team to watch for several years, I think. With finally, you know? Finally. They're getting rid of the grit and grind era. 
which is sad, you know, because we're so close to Memphis and, you know, we go to a lot of games, but it, I mean, I remember watching those teams with like Zebo and Mark Gasol and um, Tony Allen. Mike oh, yeah, Tony Allen. Tony, I think Tony Allen was the, could be the mascot for Memphis at that time. <laughs> he was like the definition of grit and grind. First team all defense, baby. Exactly. So I like what Memphis is up to. I, I, I'm paying attention to, you know, the moves that they're making, the, the pieces they're putting together to surround uh, John Morant with as much talent as possible. It seems like they've kind of given him the keys to the franchise and given him a lot of, um, rangy you know athletic wings you know a solid center in Valanciunas to kind of balance out that roster I think you know given a few years and you know we see some development go in the right direction some of these guys they could be a you know a definite playoff team even in this strong west you think this year no no not this year not this year they just need some time and you know like all rebuild teams do and I think what's great about that is that their fan base understands that and we're surrounded by a lot of Grizzlies fans over here. Yeah, we. I think the majority of people around here are expecting them to be a lottery team again. You know, we'll see where that falls with the Celtics pick or the Celtics owning their draft pick right. with certain uh, specifications on that. But they're going to be at least exciting team to watch. Yeah, they go to the games. Nice to no matter who they're playing, they'll right. be fun to watch. You know, we're no longer going to be going to the Grizzlies games to just watch whoever they're playing. You know, now there'll be some kind of buzz around the young talent in Memphis. And, you know, as, and I love that too. I, it's such a small market team. And nothing, nothing makes it, nothing makes competition better than, you know, small market teams, you know, such, such as Milwaukee or, you know, as a Memphis coming up or Utah uh, come up and become successful or become some sort of a force in a big, in a big time league. So I, you know, I applaud the Memphis Grizzlies, and um, if they're, if you're a fan of the Grizzlies, you should be pretty excited about what's to come for your team. Yeah, because they've gotten away from these past few years of looking like they're trying to push the playoffs. Injuries derailed them two years ago. This past year, they were out in front, and then injuries again, and also just falling off the face of the planet. It was, it was a rough year for the Grizzlies. Yeah, But also, they got John Morant at the second pick, and... You know, we didn't mention Brandon Clark. He took home the Summer League Most Valuable Player trophy. And what a value they got at the pick. Pick 21 for him. Mm -hmm. You know, probably the best player out of Gonzaga, honestly. Even though Hachimori went so high in the the draft. Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't seen seen enough yet, but I mean, Summer League MVPs tend to do pretty well. I mean, there's another one in L.A. that's... He's doing all right for himself, I would I would say. Kyle Kuzma? That's right. <laughs> Wasn't LeBron James. <laughs> so um moving on, uh the 76ers kind of an interesting strategy that they're doing right now. They they've created the biggest potential starting lineup in the NBA. Oh, I thought you were talking about the strategy of just opening the checkbook. We're getting to that. <laughs> so they signed Ben Simmons to a five-year, $170 million deal, which I think is the worst deal of the offseason, including Harrison Barnes. And yeah, I just want to go ahead. I want to get your thoughts first before I tear into uh, Philadelphia. So why don't you go ahead? And- so it's a dicey. Philadelphia 76ers, they're in a dicey situation because as we've mentioned on the last podcast, they're in a win now mode. Of we don't know how old or how long Javel McGee, not Javel McGee, <laughs> Joel Embiid. Yes, thank you. Joel Embiid is going to be in the game. He's 25 years old currently, and you know he looks more like a 30 year old, 35 year old, the way he plays sometimes. So they have to capitalize on this, and so I understand they have to pay these players, but. With Ben Simmons, I mean, they're they're locking up the luxury tax team. They'll be a repeating tax team. It's just, it's going to be a lot of money to shell out. And I get they're in a position of they got to give him the rookie max. But do they really? Could Do they not look to trade him? Because if it doesn't work this year, why would they not trade him if, if Joel's going to be their guy? Are they making Ben Simmons their guy? What do, you, what do you think, Carson? I think they are. And here's my problem with that. 
I don't think you should spend any any type of money on a guy who has no jump shot. Yeah, on this in this day and age, for if sure. he's going to play point guard, people I've seen, you know, and this may be, you know, a, a, something that's kind of few and far between, but people are turning their back to him when he's on the three point line, or they're at the free throw line. Yeah, or they're so much it's just straight disrespect to his jump game, to his zone. jumper game. Yeah, they're playing basically a zone with whoever's guarding the point guard. If you can't stretch the defense in today's NBA, it doesn't matter how big you are. It doesn't matter how you know tall your lineup is. That's going to become a huge issue. And now we're getting to the point where bigger guys are going to start playing point guard. Ben Simmons is not going to be the best, you know, one of the best anymore. If he doesn't, if he doesn't develop a jumper, he is not dominant enough inside like a Giannis to where he can live off that for the rest of his career. Well, we saw how that ha- how that occurs in the playoffs, where he really just fades away, and he wasn't even on the floor in some of the most crucial points of the game against the Raptors. Because well, you can help off of him, and he's just he's, he's no a- threat to score. And if you're clogging the lane, right, with bigs, because while he is six ten with seven footers down there, he's not he's not scoring amongst the trees that often. No, because and- he really is a point guard. Yeah, I mean, and they lost. They're not a great shooting team anyways. They lost their best shooter. JJ. Uh, to, to New Orleans. And you know now they're a worse shooting basketball team. And Jamie was a great shooter too. Right. So they, lo- they lose all their shooting. They give their freakish- freakishly tall point guard who can't shoot a rookie max deal. And so like Philadelphia, it, if, if y'all don't win now, they're going to be in big trouble come, you know, Next offseason, the one after that, and they're going to have to sort through all these stars. And Yeah, know. don't get, get me started again on the Tobias Harris yeah, so five-year. I, I, they're just, it's just a big question mark over there in Philadelphia right now. But all this goes away if Ben Simmons comes back with some sort of jump shot. At least some confidence. You don't, Giannis will at least pull a few, and he'll, take, he'll make you come out and guard him from the three-point line, which is what makes him so great. And what gives him a lot of space in the paint. So ben Simmons won't shoot. Exactly. So we're in, we're entering year three of the Ben Simmons era in Philadelphia. So if he comes in with any sort of jump shot, you know, at least shows that he worked on it in the offseason, I think, okay, this makes a lot more sense. Right. Because really, you know, when he came in the league and even last year in his rookie year, he looks like he could be a top five guy for the rest of his career. I agree. You know, all-star last year. So, I don't know. If he comes back with some sort of jump shot and doesn't show that he's basically the same player from year one, two, and three, this still makes sense. I don't even think he has to shoot, you know, average numbers. He can shoot 20% from three, and I think that would get him you – know, They, at the very least, you would have to go out and you would have to check him from three. Exactly. Make him think about it. And what that does is create space on the court. So overall, you know, Ben Simmons, Philadelphia, I just, it's just a big what if right now. And I think they're, they're operating on a, on some loose ground and they're, they're not really, I don't think they're really certain about what's going to happen in this next season. And a lot, like their future really rides on this next season. And if you want to get into the Brett Brown, them keeping Brett Brown, go ahead. Um, he, he was a guy that showed, last year in the playoffs that he could not figure out who to put on the floor at the right times to make them win. Of course, saying they were four bounces away from basically being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. But he showed his lacking of coaching ability, at least in my opinion. I think he's taken them as far as as he can. We'll see, though. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt this year. How can he incorporate some of these new pieces, having so much height, so much Big, so many big bodies in the paint. We'll see. Do you think um, if Kawhi wouldn't have made that shot, do you think they would have beat Milwaukee? Maybe. You think so? I think. I see two similar teams. They've been just big body teams. Right. Milwaukee would have had more shooting. Kind of old school basketball from both teams. But they would probably do what Toronto did is clog the paint yeah. with Giannis coming in. And, you know, playoff basketball is just different. Yeah. Matchups are always weird. You, I mean, it's 
and seriously, it could come down to, you know, four bounces you know, like uh, Toronto did. But I, I'm kind of, I kind of think that if Kawhi would have never made that shot, then we probably would be celebrating or not celebrating another Warriors title. And because I don't think, I think Toronto is the only team equipped to beat the Warriors, even through all the injuries. And this whole offseason could be very different, I believe, if Golden State would have won that final. So it's crazy how like one moment can change or can kind of have like a ripple effect mm-hmm. and and change just the, the pebble whole, in the ocean. The whole landscape of the NBA. Yeah. Kawhi winning the championship in Toronto really set forth probably the craziest offseason in NBA history. Yeah. With so many people trading places. I heard a very interesting stat, I don't remember the exact details, but it was getting into the all NBA teams over the past few years and how many of those players have switched teams. I mean, if you think about it, like guys like Damian Lillard is still on Portland and Giannis, Giannis is still there. You know, there's not that many LeBron's changed. Kawhi's changed. Westbrook's changed. Kyrie's changed. Durant's changed. It's the only like probably the only guys that have stayed are like, you know, LeBron, Damian Lillard, Steph, Clay. Well, I mean, but he changed over the past two years a year ago. I know. I'm just I'm saying like out of that out of that group. Like Oh, of this year? Well Yeah, just just overall. I there's there's probably only like a small handful of guys that have that have stuck with their teams since then. Kimba's and, another guy. Right. And you know, even Kyrie's gone. And so there Kawhi really kind of set off a kind of like a bomb in the in the NBA and flipped everything around and now kind of ushered in a, the new era and kind of an old era, but new to us now, the new wave of the duo. And um, But it'll, it'll still be different than it's be duos and spacing. Right. It's still a shooter's league. Mm-hmm. And a shooter's league, in a shooter's league, when you sign your 6'10 point guard who can't shoot to $170 million deal, I, I just don't know, man. That's, that just doesn't sound smart to me. But hey, that's I'm not in I'm not in the front office. I don't I don't work out with Ben Simmons. I don't know what he's working on. So we'll see as soon as uh, season rolls around. So now we're kind of at a point where you know we're in an era where t- guys are wanting out of their contracts. You know we're kind of in like a what we call like a player movement era where where guys will really loyalty is not really taken super seriously only except with a handful of guys. So um, there's a few guys that we see, you know, potentially wanting out of their deals, whether it be during this next season or after next season. And um, so what are your thoughts on, on that as we head into, you know, like the, I guess the falling action of this off season. Yeah. So what we've seen over these past few years is superstars wanting out of their contracts a lot earlier than expected. Guys like Kawhi Leonard out of San Antonio, Paul George twice. You know he's done that on multiple occasions now, and and then the likes of Anthony Davis coming to New Orleans in February and saying, "I want out." I, I think there's some obvious scenarios of guys wanting traded, and maybe teams just trading them without them being traded. People like Bradley Beal, I think, is one on the Wizards. Wizards seem to kind of have to be in this rebuild mode. Bill is their guy, especially that John Wall being there right now as he's injured. I think it's going to take a lot to get that deal done, but it's very possible for him to be traded this NBA season. Yeah. And and then another guy I think that will be traded this NBA season is probably Kevin Love. Kevin Love had a rough year last year with injuries, but he's on a team that's in completely rebuild rebuilding mode with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he should be moved. I personally just believe he should be moved and go to a contender. I know he's got a big contract, but it's number. It's not like a crazy number because when he signed that deal back a few years ago, it's about $25 million, which will be the cap hit to the team that would take him on. So, I mean, Kevin Love's interesting. He kind of seems like a like an obvious choice for this, but he he's definitely towards – he, he's he's past his prime, wouldn't you wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, he's on the back end of his career probably. So, yeah, so he he can offer a veteran presence and uh you know, solid defensive player and you know, not to mention a, a like a really good shooter on the perimeter for a big man and he has championship experience. I think he could do much better for his career going to a contender or at least going to a team that's not in total rebuild mode. I would like to see this is just kind of off the top of my head, but Kevin Love go to a team like the Spurs. Because the Spurs were in a position for Marcus Morris until he blindsided them and went to the New York Knicks. Because before to get Marcus Morris, they had to trade Davis Bertans. And I think a guy like Kevin Love can make sense for them to fill that position as shooter, a rebounder, to pair with DeRozan and Aldridge, and also um, Mert, not Murray. Yeah, DeJounte Murray. Yeah, DeJounte Murray. I think they could be a good fit for him to be in San Antonio. But also, another one that comes to mind for me is the Trailblazers. Because that could be an intriguing fit with him and CJ and Dame, of course. Because now they don't have Harkless to play the four spot anymore. And they would pair Kevin Love with Hassan Whiteside, who they recently acquired this offseason. Mm-hmm. So that intrigues me a lot to see that happen as well. What the question that comes up though with all with those is like what are the you know, what are the Spurs or what are the Blazers gonna have to give up in order to get Kevin Love? You don't you don't want to give up too much and you know, yeah, while the, the pairings of you know, like a trio of DeRozan, Aldridge and Kevin Love will be interesting, or you know, Lillard, McCollum, Whiteside, Love would be interesting as well. Uh, you got to think, you know, what are they going to give up, and is is Kevin Love worth that to those teams? If those teams are in, we have to win now mode. They have oh, to do yeah. something to make this team better, to be more competitive in in the both the Western Conference. I think probably draft assets. Just throw in a bunch of twenty twenty six picks. Pretty much, and we've seen multiple teams do that this offseason. Trading away a bunch of fourteen year olds. Yeah, we've seen a lot of teams just be. Super willing to give up a bunch of draft assets to get this thing, these deals done. Um, but so those are two guys, Bradley Bill and Kevin Love, that are more than likely they've been rumored in and out of trade rumors of getting traded last season and probably again this season will be in those rumors. But I want to kind of switch subject a little bit and look at maybe two players that don't come to mind when you think of trades. As we've seen time and time again, guys that still have a lot of time left on their deals and they go, listen, I want out. And I think one of these is really going to hurt you. Yeah. I feel like that. But the first one for me is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm. Now I know he just won the MVP with the Milwaukee Bucks. That hurts to hear. And he'll, so he'll be a free agent in the off season of 2022. Right before we start the 2022 season. Okay. And so he has a year, two years left on his deal. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, what happens if they don't win this year or, or the next year? And he goes, or excuse me, after the season, he may go, hey, I may want out. So he's two years left on his deal before he's a free agent. I just don't see it happening. I mean, I am I am a Bucks fan. I, I, I consider myself a Bucks fan. I don't know. I just, I think he enjoys it way too much. I don't know. It is a small market, and you know all the signs kind of point towards you know he's not gonna, he's too big of a personality, and I mean, I guess if Milwaukee can't deliver, then that's just kind of the the way the NBA goes now. Is you kind of, you find you know greener grass elsewhere, but, but that, I would really hate that, you know. I know you would, but does he go? Hey, listen, we were so close to making the finals this year. We're still a young team, and then you didn't go and resign my man Brogdon. I've talked about that on a prior podcast. I think that's a bigger deal than people may be letting on. I don't know. They didn't retain the same team. Well, I mean, I've heard that he's closer to Middleton and, you know, they retain Lopez and they get extra help inside. And, uh, you know, re-signing George Hill was huge. I think that's kind of an underrated signing for them. So, you know, I I was upset that uh, Milwaukee wasn't able to retain Brogdon. But I am I'm happy with where the team is. And I think the duo of Giannis and Chris Middleton, you know, they can they can carry that team, especially now with the with the environment of the NBA. 
I think it kind of helps a little bit. It, and so they don't have to face these super teams anymore. Nobody's going to have to go out, like build a team to beat Golden State now. True, but that's is that duo even a top 10 duo in the NBA? I mean, he's we have we're having duos of A plus guy and another A plus guy like Kawhi, like Paul George teaming up, like LeBron, like AD, and then we have Giannis, and definitely you're taking a step back when you go down to Middleton. Yeah. Although he's an All Star, but he's a back end All Star. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's going to be enough to win it this year. They'll be competitive, and Giannis, you know, he just keeps getting better and better. I just think it'd be a crazy scenario where he goes, "Yo, we didn't we didn't do anything. I want out." And at least you have a year left to trade me. That would be crazy. Well, who's the other one? This one, I don't know. I I just think it would be interesting and kind of kind of funny to see because the person I'm thinking of is Carl Anthony Towns. And well, that may be surprising considering he just signed his five year rookie max extension, and they have him under team control until 2024. I think he may just be like, listen, we're not making the playoffs. I'm wasting away here. We're not getting any better. We couldn't go get a D'Angelo Russell. And, you know, I, I want to win. And I think that might be his mentality. And so he may do an Anthony Davis and say, I want out. And I think their front office would look at me and go, okay, call me in three years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think they'll let – I don't think they'll ever let him go. I mean, without him, what do they have? Andrew Wiggins. They'd ha- Jeff Teague. Yeah, well, they'd have to go right back to rebuilding mode. And that's the, the Timberwolves are kind of a team now. They're they're going to be stuck in mediocrity. Well, yeah, they're. I mean, they're in rebuilding mode now because they're not good. Right. So they're kind of in a situation that Charlotte was in uh, with Kemba, where they got one guy who's kind of carrying the team, and um, that's that seems more likely than Giannis asking to be dealt. But uh, that may be one in a couple of years. Right. It'd be interesting to see him do it this year or next year. Well, it definitely would make things more interesting. Yeah, might as well. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff happen this offseason. I don't do you think anybody right now what would be like a good fit, just playing wise, what would be a good fit for Cat? What do you think? Off the top of my head. Off the top of your head. That's a tough one. Huh. I was gonna say the Miami Heat, but (laughs) we already see that doesn't work with Jimmy Buckets. Yeah, I don't know if uh I think Cat may have nightmares of Jimmy Butler. I think it'd be fun to see him with Sacramento, another young team at the five, and the Bagley could play the four. That's that yeah. healed at two. Um, De'Aaron Fox at the point, and then all of course at three, Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes, the goat. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that I'd, let's see. That'd be a fun team. That'd definitely be a playoff team. Off the top of my head, I thought the Knicks. Yeah, because they. I mean. They don't right have now, any size right now. So right now, they they are kind of hanging their hat on. They're like the new era of grit and grind. Like Memphis, you Memphis, mean with five power forwards they just signed? Right. Memphis threw it to the dumps, and the Knicks came and picked it up on their way home. It so I could see him. I mean, I would just it would just be a good fit in my opinion. You got a bunch of older you know role players that are going to play hard and. Uh, do their job the right way. You throw in a, a young superstar like Carl Anthony Towns, I think it would be, be a cool thing. But uh, all, obviously that's all hypothetical. And um, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to shift over to the NFL with a stat that you may not know about the number 50. And we're also going to give our top five list of quarterbacks facing the most pressure heading into the 2019 season. So stay tuned. And we're back. Now it's time to talk about a little NFL action. Carson, I know you're excited. Two weeks in a row of talking football. So I know you're excited definitely about doing that because we're 50 days away from NFL kickoff as recording this. On Wednesday. On Wednesday. So, um, yeah, you're right. You know, as it's only going to get more and more difficult to talk about football without any of it going on until, you know, the NFL kicks off, college football kicks off, training camp starts, you know, Hard Knocks comes out, All or Nothing comes out. There's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to start uh, leaking into the news feeds and Twitter feeds, and and I I'm so excited for it. So today it's it marks 50 days until uh, National League football or National Football League starts. Yeah, I'm too excited. So <laughs> um, 
He's interesting. He's gleaming right now with (laughs) with excitement. An interesting fact today for the fifth, for 50 days, this is from NFL.com. There's only two players uh, in the NFL, in the Super Bowl era to record 50 passing yards, 50 rushing yards, and 50 receiving yards in one game. Those players are Walter Payton. Not a surprise really there. No, not really. He kind of did everything. Um, According to NFL.com, it was in week 16 in that in 1985 when he threw for 50, ran for 81, and uh, had 55 receiving yards. The other player may surprise you. It's Christian McCaffrey of the Panthers, the running back who has kind of taken the league by storm as the premier receiving back in the league. He uh, He accomplished this, became part of the 50-50-50 club. In week 16 of 2018 against the Saints, where McCaffrey had 50 yards passing, 53 yards rushing, and 67 receiving yards. So, isn't that such a that's such an obscure stat? It but is. Those are things that I love about, you know, like these countdowns. They find like these weird stats, and it only adds to the excitement, uh, you know, leading up to kickoff, you know, the Hall of Fame game, which really isn't, it's like a glorified scrimmage. And then into the preseason, which we're, where we get to see you know some of the rookies uh, yep. debut into the NFL, it's one of the coolest things um, I think that the NFL could do is uh, this countdown and kind of have a number association thing with these crazy facts like the 50-50-50 club. Yeah, shout out to the guys in the video control room for searching Twitter, searching football references to find these really obscure stats. Oh, I know. I, that has to be... That has to be like mind numbing almost, wouldn't you think? Yeah, some guy named Carl is making a killing just <laughs> searching the web browser of trying to find these football stats. So, um, we got more football. This is not really news or anything. We kind of wanted to take our own ideas, kind of pit them against each other. We haven't talked about these lists, but. We wanted to come up with a list of you know the top five quarterbacks in the NFL with the most pressure to perform in this 2019 season, and then we also came up with a list of the five quarterbacks that have the least amount of pressure going into the 2019 season. So should we do this one by one? Go five. I do five. You do five. That might make it fun. Yeah, go for it. Okay. First off, the number five of the most pressure, I have Derek Carr of the Raiders. Okay. And I put him in five because he's on a huge contract. Of course, there's no one really behind him right now. But this is a team with them getting, uh, you know, Antonio. He's going to have some pressure because he's got a little more talent around him for sure. He's definitely got a larger spotlight. Not only because of Antonio Brown, they have hard knocks coming in. They just signed Richie Incognito. They have a lot of personalities in that, and he's kind of been he's kind of known to be like one of the better dudes in the NFL. And it, I I agree, he has pressures. But so yeah, that's, I think it's a good choice. Well, yeah, because he came out with a chip on his shoulder last year from the contract, and then really underperformed. Yeah, so definitely a lot of pressure on him. So uh, my number five was Kyler Murray. Obviously, number one overall pick. You know, there's so much speculation about his size and you know, whether or not his game can translate to the NFL. I think you know, I think the number one pick of every year deserves to be a top five. I like have top five pressure. That he, although he is going into a rebuild team in the Arizona Cardinals, he has he's become electrifying and has become a an icon in football today. So no matter what he does, he's going to be watched uh, with eagle eyes and every one of his moves is going to be critiqued. So I think he has the most pressure, especially with how Arizona treated Josh Rosen, to to even get Kyler Murray. Yeah, he's, they, he's our guy. Wait, he's gone. Right. They shipped out their previous draft pick, previous top three draft pick. Was a big coaching change, though. Yeah, I mean, you play for the franchise. It's true. And with them shipping out Josh Rosen like that and giving the keys to Kyler Murray, I think he's got a tremendous amount of pressure. Okay, so number four, I have Baker Mayfield. 
because Baker trucks a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. This is a Browns team that's added some really good pieces this offseason. Really good pieces. Yeah, Odell probably being the biggest one, in my opinion, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he's got guys to throw to. He's got a good offensive line finally. And I don't know. He just talks a lot of trash, for my, in my opinion. And I think he'll have a lot of pressure because they're expected to be good. And it's been a long time since the Browns have actually had expectations. Right. So I'll get to Baker later. Baker's okay. higher up my list. My number four for me is Patrick Mahomes. I think Pat Mahomes has, you know, I'll, I'll go on record. I think he's the best quarterback on the planet right now. Uh, and I'll stand by that. And he, his skill level is just unbelievable. And the way he can maneuver his body and maneuver his shoulder and still deliver strikes on the field is, is unbelievable. It's something I've never seen before. And I think he has the most talent out of any quarterback in the league, in the world, basically. So, but the pressure comes from his team surrounding him. What the what the Chiefs franchise has done to surround him with the best possible team to win a Super Bowl. I don't see them making it back to the AFC Championship. That defense. The defense has been heavily depleted. Mm-hmm. Although they did add Frank Clark from Seattle, that does help boost it up a little bit. But I mean, that defense was depleted anyways, and you know you lose you lose certain guys, and it just. You know, all the stuff going on with Tyreek Hill. That's true. There's just too much favorite target last year. There's too much going on uh, around that. He's got so much pressure. He is now seen as, you know, the premier quarterback. And he is the franchise player. He's the face of that franchise. I think he's got more pressure now than he did last year. You know, and winning MVP doesn't help with that. And the Madden curse. Watch out. Madden cover. He is on the Madden cover. So we'll, you know, we'll see how that plays out. So that's my number four. Okay, so my number three is Carson Wentz. Um, you know, two years ago he had an MVP caliber season, and then got hurt right for the playoffs. I, th- I he has the most pressure because they trade away their Super Bowl MVP for, you know, I, which I understand you want to let Wentz play. Carson Wentz has shown that he can be a tremendous football player in this league, but he's got a lot of pressure. That's a good team there that he's on. Yeah, I'll add to that. So. Carson Wentz is also my number three with the most pressure. Um, as a as a high like a a really serious Eagles fan, I I d- need to see Carson Wentz perform. We traded away kind of. We I, I don't want to call. I feel bad saying this, but I don't. Nick Foles was kind of a safety blanket for Carson Wentz for the Eagles in general. Uh, you know, the past two years and. Did a great job, and I was so upset to see him go. But obviously, Carson Wentz is our guy. He is going. He's our franchise. But you know, getting hurt the past two years, he's got back issues. You know, there's there's reports coming out that he's 100 percent healthy. He's going to be fine. To good. He's going to be good to go. But you know, his his play physical is very active in the pocket, and there's things that you know quarterbacks just can't really recover from 100. percent You know, i.e. Robert Griffin the third. It's true. Uh, you know, I don't, the ACL, and so we'll see. Sometimes guys come back from that, and you know they play well. You know, like Deshaun Watson, or you know, or you see a guy like Robert Griffin, and you know, it, and so that's why I think Carson Wentz. While we both think Carson Wentz, it has the third yeah. most pressure in the league. Yeah, at least with Wentz, though, I'll add is that while he does run, he gets out of the pocket some. He doesn't do that as much as Robert Griffin. He doesn't right, solely yeah. rely on. Yeah, no, they're not the same player. Um, I only brought him up because, you know, they had the same injury. So, right, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, so, my number two is the Giants quarterback, Eli Manning. And I think he has the most, one of the most pressure on his shoulders based on he's got his replacement in the waiting. Yeah. And Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, the Duke prospect. I don't know. Eli has shown us over the past couple of years that he's not the player he once was. He's not the two-time Super Bowl MVP. No more magic in Eli. Yeah, so I think he's got a lot of pressure because I think if any sign of trouble, they're going to pull him. If they start losing games, he's done. And this could be the last season for Eli Manning. So I have him at number two on my list of having the most pressure. Number two uh, for me was uh, Matt Ryan. Um, the you know the Falcons at one point were seen to have one of the most advanced offenses in the league. They had the weapons of, you know, they had Julio Jones. He had two fantastic running backs in the backfield, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman. 
and they had a quarterback in Matt Ryan who was the MVP of the league, and they were rolling. They they had they had defenses, you know, on their heels, and they were scoring a lot of points, and they were you know they were a premier team in the league. So, what happened to the Falcons is what is what I'm wondering. Last year they finished seven and nine. They were, you know, while they were tenth in the league, they were tenth highest scoring offense. They were almost dead last in rush yards a game. Um, they got a lot of points, but or they got a lot of yards. But I mean, a a tenth a tenth offense in the league is not what they once were. Uh, I think Matt. I think that falls on Matt Ryan's shoulders. Um, so Matt Ryan, the, the Falcons have consistently been an average team, you know, the past few years, and it's up to Matt Ryan to kind of turn that around. Now they have they have a well balanced, you know, they have a tight end that's kind of developed in Austin Hooper, and they have you know they still have Julio, who I think is the best receiver in the game, and probably about to sign his extension as right. well. Who who wants to be in Atlanta, right. which is a big deal. And they have Calvin Ridley, who's proven to be a stud. And now, and they still have, they have one of the better offensive lines in the league. So, you know, it's up to Matt Ryan to save that franchise. Or I could see Atlanta potentially finding a quarterback in this next year's draft. Or, you know, if they if they suck again and they, you know, they end up in a you know a top ten situation, I could see them moving up to try to draft a guy like Trevor Lawrence or uh, Justin Herbert or Tua. Or one of these big time quarterbacks coming into this next class. From From Jake Fromm. Yeah. And there's a lot of quarterbacks coming in that He'd love that. Another a Georgia guy. Right. So, you know, the pressure's on for Matt Ryan to turn this offense around to kind of secure his career in Atlanta. So my number one is Kirk Cousins. And I say this because he went to a Vikings team in the offseason um that made the NFC championship. And they gave him a crazy deal. You know, they gave him so much money to come in and lead that team. It was like eighty-four million. It was like fully guaranteed. Yeah, that's the crazy, the fully guaranteed part. No one wants that contract. You know, they supposedly had a good offensive line, had a good defense. They have playmakers around him on the outside. He just has a tremendous amount of pressure on him to get this thing done. They were thinking when they signed him, well, he'll take us over the hump. He'll take us over the Keenum hump of let's get to the Super Bowl, and he flat out underperformed last year. Yep. So this year he's got to come in with a fire lit under him to perform. I don't think we've – and I don't think that's a problem for Kirk Cousins. We, he's been kind of a fiery guy since he's been here. And um, You like that? Yeah. I, I like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I do too. I like Kirk Cousins. I want him to succeed. Uh, so, but he's not on my list. So number one for me, we've already talked about him, is Baker Mayfield. You know, there's – the the media now has seemed to – shift so when anything happens with the Browns their immediate reaction is let's see what Baker has to say about it so Baker has a has a way of talking about teammates he's a very he's a business first guy I like his approach to where if you don't want to be here we don't need you we can find somebody else for your spot I like that approach I I agree with him I think he is a super he's an ultra competitive guy he Obviously, he's a great talent. He has all this talent around him. The The Cleveland Browns are a very loud team right now, and Baker is the leader of that team. He he steps out constantly to, to argue with, maybe not argue, kind of defend himself against Colin Coward, against other members of the sports media. Uh, he'll, he'll tweet you back on Twitter. If he finds your tweet, you know, if you're talking trash about him, he is, he's a guy who will stand up for himself and really doesn't ignore much. So Baker, you know, the, the, the good thing about guys like that is that when you're winning, it's okay. Like Tom Brady's also one of those guys who, who talks in an all business mindset, but, and ha, and sets a standard for his team. But the difference between Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield right now is Tom Brady has proven to win games. And he doesn't have the loud mouth reputation from his Oklahoma days. Right. So there's, when when you're winning, you can say all that stuff and you can be that kind of guy. But you know, I would like to see what happens. You know, if the Browns go through a slump this year, you know, if people are going to start getting tired of Baker's kind of tough guy uh, attitude. But you know, obviously, 
I think with that being said, I think the Browns are going to be are going to exceed expectations. Uh, for most people, I think they're going to be a playoff team, and I think that they could. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team yet. I think they need a, a year to kind of mesh and gel uh, with a, a new head coach, a new whole new receiving core, basically, a new superstars, defenses, you know, filling in the, the pieces. I think they got a steal with Greedy Williams in the second round. So that team needs a little bit of seasoning, but. Uh, you know, at Baker Mayfield right now kind of has the most pressure. He actually definitely has the most pressure in the league, in my opinion. There's some guys on the bubble. You, know, you mentioned um, Eli uh, was was one of your you know top pressure guys because he has Daniel Jones waiting behind him. I kind of have those guys on a bubble. I'm not really including guys who have rookies waiting behind them. So that includes uh, Case Keenum in Washington. That includes Joe Flacco in Denver. Um, yeah, I would. I don't really want to include Ryan Fitzpatrick because I feel like Josh Rosen is going to be the starter out there. Yeah, so, me too. Um, regardless of you know, I, I didn't really take into account you know guys who have a a rookie waiting behind them because that's that's I don't feel like that's enough pressure. Um, I don't think Tyrod Taylor faced any pressure when Baker was behind him. I don't think it's I don't think it's enough pressure to say well he has the most in the league. Other guys, um, Marcus Mariota. You know they have a new offensive coordinator again in Tennessee. Mariota's coming off, you know, a year where he's banged up. Uh, he's he's kind of putting the team on his back. But now their running game's better. They have one. They have probably second best offensive line in the league, second or third, either behind Indianapolis and Philly. And you know their run game gets better and better. He's adding. He's added weight. He's just got some pressure to deliver with. You know, especially with a good backup. You know, they got Ryan Tannehill, mm-hmm. who's now a good backup. So if, you know, if he goes down, at least Tennessee fans can be comfortable that they have a, you know, a starting caliber, a starting quarterback, caliber player. Right. He was a, he was another backup. guy on one of my bubbles. Um, was Mariota. Another guy I had was Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. I think he's got some pressure on him for obvious reasons. Of they probably should have beaten the Eagles in the playoffs last year, and. He's got a great defense, and really they're looking to him to lead that offense and to be the driver. If they can score some more points, they're going to win a lot of football games. Another guy, big Cowboys fan, of course, is Dak Prescott. See, this is where we kind of disagree. I know we disagree on this, but Dak is a guy that we both agree is going to get paid, and really there's not a reason he shouldn't get paid. I mean, he's got a good resume. I just have some concerns with his throwing ability and throwing the football downfield. But I think he's got a tremendous amount of pressure because the Cowboys are in a win-now situation to where they have to win games. They have to make it some noise in the playoffs. And really, their their goal has to be a Super Bowl because they got all of these guys that are about to be – they're on expiring deals. They're about to have to pay out some extensions, a lot of defensive players. Right. Um, earlier for the pod, we talked about all the members of their secondary they're going to have to pay. So I think it's got – he has to have a lot of pressure on him that we have to get this done. So, uh, there's one we kind of forgot to mention is Jameis Winston. That's true. Another you know guy. He came in Mariota's class. Uh, the number one pick in the draft, right? And he you know had a had a solid you know debut season, but now he's kind of tapered off as one of the you know below average quarterbacks in the league. And you know with the addition of Bruce Arians uh, over there in Tampa Bay, I think it's going to do wonders for him. Bruce Arians is kind of a quarterback guru. He's an offensive genius, and I think that you know Jameis Winston. If he has the pressure on him now, because he has everybody surrounding him, in order that will help him succeed. They have a he has a top five receiver in Mike Evans, and he and they they just continue to put pieces around him that will help him that should help him succeed. And if he doesn't, look for Tampa Bay to be one of those teams that also try to get in that top five pick range to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence to try to find their next franchise QB coming out of college. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that defense is atrocious. Yeah. And he does have weapons around him on the offense. And if he can throw the football downfield and and come to the season actually in shape for once, maybe that's too skeptical of him. But I think that's James's reputation so far in his young NFL career. But if he can come in, and again, another guy just seems to have a tremendous amount of pressure on him. 
but didn't make my top five. So let's move on to um, – we'll do this real quick. The least – the quarterbacks with the least amount of pressure uh, on them. Um, why don't you go ahead and go first? We're going one by one again or – uh, just fly through it. Just okay. give me your list, and then we'll talk about the number one guy. So starting from the top is number one, Tom Brady. Um, five Super Bowls, obviously. Number two, Andy Dalton. Number three, Russell Wilson. Number four, Josh Rosen. And number five, Matt Ryan. Mm. And we can talk about that in a minute. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start at five. So I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger is fifth on that list. Aaron Rodgers then goes Russell Wilson to Drew Brees. And then Josh Rosen, I think, has the least amount of pressure uh, coming um, coming into this next season. Uh, Josh Rosen, everyone was kind of on his side during the whole Kyler Murray fiasco, and they were, you know, Arizona shipped him out to Miami. Uh, everyone was kind of supporting, you know, patting Josh Rosen on the back. No one's really expecting Miami to make any noise, especially in that division. And I think he is, he can go out there and he can play average and he can play he can play great he can play terrible and people really wouldn't bat an eye so he's not a guy he's just not expected to do much right he has no expectations right here in miami and he has he's a guy like ryan fitzpatrick who seems to just have spurts of magic you know every you know for three weeks and then he'll just dissipate into you know a terrible a quarterback. quarterback yeah so you know that's why i think josh rosen I think he has the least amount of pressure. You say Tom Brady. I understand where people – you may think he has some pressure. Yeah. I mean, but he's the winningest quarterback in NFL history. Well, he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's the GOAT. So, that's why I think – he is. He doesn't have to prove any doubters. He has to prove anything else to anybody else that he's the greatest quarterback of all time. That's why I don't think he has pressure because he's already great. And the more he does, is just icing on the cake. Yeah, I see that. I just – I think he's he's one of the guys like on the bubble right there. I think the only pressure that he has just comes with his age. It's like is he going to still be able to perform at his age? And you know, everyone's kind of waiting on you know the signs when Brady's going to start showing some signs of regression. And there's a case he made he did that last year. Yeah, I mean, he he had statistically one of his worst seasons last year. But, you know, obviously that Patriots coaching staff could take anybody and turn them into a Super Bowl winning team. That's why I was hoping Josh Rosen would go would go there. That was interesting. I I was also hoping Josh Rosen would go. So like some guys um that would kind of rebut what you said on your um, most pressure. I think Dak Prescott has little to no pressure. Purely for the fact that they, he knows he's going to get paid. He knows he's going to be the Cowboys quarterback for like the next eight years. Like there, he, I don't think he, he could play unless he goes out there and throws 40 interceptions. I don't think he's going to, he's not going anywhere. His career is going to be set. And right now, a lot of these players are in a, a mindset where they're going to get their money and get out. Dak Prescott's about to get his money. Maybe I'm biased because I just want him to have pressure because I want him to become the quarterback. We all saw his rookie year, and not that. And the fact that he's not an above average player, Daxon, a, a very good player. Yeah, I just want him to take the next leap in his career of not being afraid to throw the ball downfield. And I know he doesn't have quite the arm strength that you might want, and we were used to, especially with Tony Romo. But he's good decision making, and he can run. He can score with the best of them, and he makes a lot of the right reads most of the time. I just want him to take his game to the next level to where if Zeke doesn't have a great rushing performance, we still can win ball games. What I like about Dak is that you it's very obvious that the guys in Dallas surround him and they support him. He's a very good leader. He gets those guys to rally around him and really, you know, play for him and and yeah, that's what I like about him, and that's why I say he has no pressure. I don't think his team is placing any pressure on him. I know the organization isn't placing any pressure on him to perform because he's going to get paid. If it comes down to – if they have to make a choice between Zeke and Dak Prescott, they're going to choose the quarterback. Definitely because of – Yeah, with all the media. Noise, with all the stuff all going the stuff too, on yeah. with Zeke, I think they're going to be okay with letting him go if that means they keep Dak. Oh, I like, I like Dak. He Not Zach. <laughs> he's a very high-character guy. I love the way he presents himself to the media. I just want him to make that next leap. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we all do. As football fans, you, we all do. Um, another guy that we want to see take the, the next leap in his career, Lamar Jackson. So I have Lamar Jackson as someone who has very little pressure. Cause mm-hmm. Kind of for the same reason. The Ravens have kind of been all in on Lamar Jackson-style football. They're going to become a ground-and-pound team. They just added Mark Ingram. They've got – they added tight ends. They've got, you know – the most athletic quarterback in the league. They're all in. Who can't throw? Well, you know, they're just, they're not, I don't, I haven't seen anybody, but the media place pressure on him. All of his teammates surround him and they rally around him and they support his skill set. And they say he's working on it and he's working, he's getting better every day. Lamar Jackson is a likable guy. I don't think anybody's, anybody wants to see him fail. So he's kind of like my surprise guy that you know doesn't really have a lot of pressure going into this next season. He was kind of a mid-tier guy for me, just kind of the middle of least and most of where the Ravens are expected to be okay. They're not expected to be a, a super big-time contending team this year. At least I don't think so. But no, and, and no offense to Lamar Jackson, but of all the sophomore quarterbacks coming in, I think he may have the biggest potential of having a sophomore slump, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean that he would be the obvious answer right there. He would be, but um, I sure hope not. But yeah, I understand the criticisms, and I see everything. I just don't think that he has a lot of pressure to fix that right away, because they seem to be all in on him right now. So that's all we have today on the menu but uh before we leave we have some lasting impressions for you why don't you go ahead logan so my lasting impression for the week is that espn bas- basketball analyst ryan hollins who you may eight and nine year old clippers fans may know and, and adore for some reason is really the worst analyst on tv really out there on twitter wherever you want to talk about let me just read you off some of the takes that this man has had. Giannis is an MVP caliber player. Wizards will make playoffs after John Wall's injury. Russell Westbrook could beat the Warriors. Jordan couldn't fill LeBron's shoes. Katie and Kyrie to the Nets is overrated. Rondo is better than Chris Paul. And probably my favorite, obviously being a Lakers fan, the Lakers don't have a clear-cut leader. Those are the most ridiculous takes in the NBA. I feel like someone's paying him to make those takes. Um, You know, this is a man who seems to have so much knowledge about the NBA when he averaged a a measly 3.7 points per game. I know I'm sitting here being a uh, fan who just played high school basketball, but come on, Ryan Hollins. Let's get your act together. All right, that's my last thing impression. Sorry to go on that tangent. but No, so mine is equally as ridiculous. So... Uh, my lasting impression for the week is 2K and Madden came out with their player ratings you know, this past week, and it created a lot of talk and a lot of buzz on social media. They seem to create this event where they post you know, the top 10 players, like the top 10 quarterbacks, and all these professional athletes seem to get really upset about it. Keenan Allen posted a video where he was very hurt about his route running ratings when we need to realize that it's a video game. I can go in there and create myself on the game and have better route running than any player in the league. I can change Keenan Allen to four foot five and run and have 60 speed in two minutes. I don't understand how, why professional athletes get so upset over some, basically some nerds making a video game, not projecting their skills correctly. It's, it's, just for fun. I think Keenan Allen's very accurate considering I had him on a fancy team last year. But No, yeah. But, I mean he's he's not wrong, <laughs> but the fact is that he No, I mean the the route running I think that's accurate. I think the nerds were accurate. Oh, you think he Oh yeah. You don't <laughs> yeah. think he can run routes like that. No. So I don't know. And there's nothing more like like there's nothing gets on my nerves more than watching those videos of the rookies trying to guess their Madden ratings and there's always that those handful of guys are like, Oh, ninety nine. Uh, I'm a probably 91. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As a as 96 a, speed. For so sure. you can definitely tell who doesn't play Madden. 
<laughs> or who doesn't understand the concept of it. Because that doesn't make you look like, you know, I don't hear someone say that and think, oh, he, he has high goals. I hear someone say that and, so, and I think, oh, he's an idiot. He's never played Madden. He doesn't understand. Life. He doesn't understand what's going on. And so that's, <laughs> it's just a bad look. You know, EA and 2K are doing a great job with, you know, creating buzz. Whether or not they make good games is a completely different argument and for another podcast. But professional athletes, man, worry about something else. Get your real route running skills up instead of complaining about trying to complain to EA to bump them up, bump yours up a little bit in a video game. Keenan Allen. Yeah, so, and give me some points in fancy football. <laughs> so that's all we have for this week. Catch us next week at the same time. This has been The Reserves. We're out.